Welcome to Leaders Recon, where we discuss leadership, warrior skills, and other unique opportunities within the G3 Leader Development Branch. I'm your host, Joshua Carr, and today we have with us Brigadier General Adrian, the G357, a special guest to talk about division alignment for training. Sir, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here and uh, appreciate the opportunity. So, sir, before we dive into this topic of division alignment for training and some of the things that have gone into it, I guess, you know, for those in our audience who don't know your background, could you give us a, you know, unique experience or history that uh, you want to share with everyone? Uh, well, okay, so obviously in 33 years, I've had quite a few unique experiences, as, as you can imagine. Probably something something unique about me. It's not really about me, but uh, um, um, back in the uh, in the early two thousands, there was uh, if you if you remember, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers was was uh, exhumed and to find out by DNA test who was who it was because there was some there was some uh, for Vietnam, right? Is that correct? From Vietnam, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but because there was there was some some uh, thought that, that that we knew who it was. Uh, well, it turned out by DNA test that was my cousin Michael Blassie. He was a uh, an Air Force pilot that had gone down in in Vietnam. Oh, really? So uh, I, I was actually able to attend his funeral. They brought his remains back to uh, Jefferson Barracks in in Missouri and uh, attended his funeral there as a as a captain. Oh really? That's such a I've I've heard this story before, like going to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, but I didn't realize the. It was his sister, my my other cousin, uh, who uh, who brought forward all the evidence and and worked her way up through the Pentagon. You can imagine how difficult it was to get the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers opened. Uh, it was almost impossible, but she she did it and wow. uh, found her brother. Wow, that is a really it's a really unique experience right there. You're a Missouri Guardsman, correct, sir? So, and you and you went to Missouri State, uh, grew up. Did you start out as a traditional Guardsman, or were you active duty military, or what was? I your... did. No, I've always been a Guardsman. I, I enlisted in 1988, um, and uh, um, shortly thereafter went, you know, continued college uh, and got into ROTC and uh, received my commission in 1990. So. Uh, but but I've always been started off traditional, mm -hmm. uh, right after my company command, uh, in the two hundred third, engineer battalion. I uh, uh, I went on an ADOS tour at Fort Leonard Wood, and from that uh, became turned into AGR. So are, and you're on Title Ten AGR status now. Is that correct or? Um, yes, for actually ADOS as GOs, we uh, some of us are. Or ADOS, but oh, really? uh, okay. uh, but at my whole career, I've been uh, Title Ten for over twenty years. Oh, wow! So I guess that brings us into your position as a as a GO here, sir. And talking about division alignment for training, I know it's uh, you know we're taking this holistic approach to division alignment for training to, from what I understand, empower these eight division headquarters to not just be division headquarters, but you know combat capable divisions. Can you give us you know, a quick overview, sir, of like what is division alignment for training? I can. the The, the whole thing really, um, uh, it, it was the. It's been tried before. First of all, 
with, with uh, less success. But uh, General Hokanson, when he was here as a director, it was his signature uh, effort to to bring those uh, those divisions together and create these combat capable divisions. And I think the reason it's succeeding now is because of the way the Army is moving towards uh, multi-domain operations, uh, where the division is again the the unit of action uh, in in MDO. So uh, so the the force I believe is buying into it. It's it's the right time for us to to build those combat capable divisions. So so you'll have a division. Some division headquarters, as you know, are just that just division headquarters. Um, they don't have any downtrace uh, relationships. Others in Texas or Pennsylvania, for example, have their BCTs and their sustainment brigades all resident in their states. That created an imbalance between our divisions. Some, some had a uh, great deal of experience leading their brigades. Others um, didn't. They only saw their units at warfighters. So this is, this is going to provide an opportunity for the divisions to grow. It also gives a, a great opportunity for, for the uh, the brigades and the BCTs and downtrace units to get some uh, uh, get the benefit of the the experience and leadership available at the division level to improve their readiness as well. So you hit on something there, sir, that was kind of interesting, you know, to us in in leader development. You know, when you, you mentioned like the leadership aspect of it, with I don't think there's. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any singular division that has all of its units in a single state. Um, I, I know Texas and Pennsylvania are pretty close, but I think someone there's still some outlying unit out there. When it comes to division alignment for tra for training related to those that leader development piece of it, how do you foresee that working um, as we start to develop these relationships across state lines? Well, that's really a, a, a central piece of of the program is is to is to enable better talent management and leader development throughout throughout the division for the better of the of the whole guard. So if you've got a, a division headquarters, uh, for, for example, in, in Kansas, the, the 35th ID, uh, without uh, BCTs in in either of those two states, but Kansas or Missouri, um, it was difficult to grow those senior leaders in the in the division to. Uh, for as an as an effective uh, leadership team on the division. So, uh, what this what the division alignment for training enables is reaching down into those subordinate brigades that may be in a different state, and and allowing them to provide their senior leaders and key leaders in key positions inside the division. So, uh, so now with the 35th division, for example has uh, the 45th uh, IBCT in Oklahoma, the mm -hmm. uh, 39th in, in Arkansas, and the 155 ABCT out of uh, Mississippi. Okay. Um, those are aligned under the, the division. Uh, those units and states, really, uh, will, be, will be able to provide or compete their, their uh, leaders to, to uh, uh, key positions on the division, and in some cases, vice versa, um, back to key leadership positions in the brigades and the subordinate brigades as well. So, it really uh, it provides for a good opportunity for the free flow of talent in between states that we hadn't really seen before. It's going to just make the the guard a better a better place.
Well, and that's what I was going to ask her. So, you know, I did an IST within that's that that's my division right there. So I was in the 39th IBCT and I IST'd over to the 45th um, as part of the new Airborne Battalion. And uh, one of the things that I you know I ran into was the, the challenge of the IST, you know, moving over there to take to take the position was huge. So how do you perceive that uh, working with the division alignment for training stuff? You know, I know. I know that there it was talked about offering some particular billets for uh, funded ID tree travel from out of state. Can you give us a little bit of a history? Yeah, of that? So, so that's that's going to differ between each, each divisions because um, how they manage their the, this talent management uh, piece is is it really up to the tags? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, those tags uh, control everything that happens with with respect to the guard inside their state. So. Uh, what you'll get are uh, memorandums of agreement between the tags and the division commander on how they how they execute this division line for training. There's several ways you can do that. You can you can have them all do an interstate transfer, and then we provide um, what we provide is the uh, IDT travel to allow them to not have to take it out of hide flying from Mississippi to to Kansas for for drill. Uh, we'll, We'll, we'll pay for that. Um, but the particulars about whether they IST or whether there's there's another way that they they allow that uh, out-of-state soldier to to uh, hold a key leader's billet within their state, that's up to the, the individual tags within that uh, region. And that was going to be one of my follow-up questions, sir, was, you know, with the tags, how have the tags been involved with the process as we're discussing division alignment for training and intimately? I mean, they're they're right there. They're um, uh, everything we do with with regard to the uh, division alignment for training has to have complete buy-in from the tags. They're gonna at the end of the day, they're gonna sign that memorandum agreement that enables the the um, the alignment to to effectively happen. So so the tags have been right in in the middle of it. Uh, from the very beginning. Piggybacking off of that, sir, when we're talking about talent management and, you know, setting up leaders for success for, you know, more senior assignments out of state potentially, I guess what is your message to senior leaders that are concerned about that movement piece, right? You know, whether it's, you know, an 04 or 05, you know, that's that's taken an assignment with the division headquarters that's out of his state, but then he's going to be coming back. You know, I guess what's your message to senior leaders to try to Give them confidence and like, hey, this is how we're setting up the guard for success as a whole. I would say that uh, that there there will be challenges. There's there's going to be some uh, some hiccups here and there, uh, some uh, some things that don't go exactly right. But but I would say that the opportunity is worth the risk. You know, everything we do is is a risk decision, right? Me sitting here talking to you is a risk decision. Uh, uh, but the payoff in this case is is worth the risk when you've got an opportunity as a as an 05 in a, in a state that doesn't have a division to go and be uh, um, on a division staff and have that on your, uh, on your record, um, you, you can't, uh, that, that's worth it, right? So uh, at the same time, you know, same, the same with, if you have a division in your state, but there, uh, there's no BCT, you've got an opportunity to compete for a brigade command in, a, in another state whatever it takes to get across that and get through the yeah. the administrative wickets to 
to get to that other state is, is in my opinion anyway, worth the effort and worth the um, whatever inconvenience you, you might encounter. Because is the intent behind it, sir, that we're just like basically regardless of the, the state that you're from, like we're just trying to find the, the best leaders to put in the right positions to... We're, that's exactly right. We're trying to find the best leaders available to take those key leadership positions in, in whether it be the division or the brigades uh, and their staff. So uh, at the end of the day, you're gonna, we're gonna end up with better units because we've got, we're getting a broader view of the talent that's out there and available and, uh, and being able to bring it to the right place at the right time. So, uh, and it's not just any state, it's only those states who are contributing to the alignment that have a brigade or, or a unit that's part of the alignment. So like essentially it's the, you know, and in, in for my example, right, I believe our division headquarters is Kansas. So it's, you know, the, divi the states that, that you mentioned before, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Mississippi. So it's like those states that have downtrace units, that's who we're talking about within the, within the alignment for that division. Is that correct, sir? Yes. So, sir, we've all heard the mantra that you have to wait for someone to retire or die, essentially, to get promoted within your state in the guard at times. Um, you know, in respect to division alignment for training, does this, you know, open up some of those opportunities? Again, I know you've kind of hit on this already, but, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it just it increases the number of available positions that you might be qualified for. So, uh, so it does open up the aperture a little bit. Um, these are positions, these key positions are ones that you don't hold people in there forever uh, because they're so valuable. Um, soldiers and leaders are always rotating through those positions on their way to, to, the, you know, to the next uh, rank or the next uh, responsibility. So, uh, so they'll be open regularly and uh, available for competition. So I, I think it does help with that uh, in that it, it, you've got more to choose from in terms of career progression. Well, and, and I think you may have talked about this before at a, at a forum I sat in, sir, I can't remember, but uh, we talked about essentially division alignment for training, you know, making us more like our sister co service components in some regards with having similar experiences uh, for leaders on their way up, you know, where as a lot of, you know, guard officers will spend a su substantial amount of time in a staff role um, and much less time in any of these key uh, leadership roles. You know, does division alignment for training allow for these guardsmen to get more exposure, I guess, to, you know, roles that they would be in if, if we did a full-scale, you know, or a large-scale uh, mobilization? Well, I think it, it certainly uh, opens up, um, again, it opens up the, the possibility of, of holding some of these key positions that you you wouldn't have had before um, so again if you don't have a division in your state you're never going to be uh, a division g3 or a, or a division g4 or, or whatever it may be so this opens up that possibility and it's another it's another thing to work for it's another thing to shoot for and uh and it's going to make everybody better so as, as we uh, as we move forward so do you see in the future you mentioned the shift from the brigade to the division being the unit of action um, do you th foresee in the future as we build out division alignment for training and these relationships get grown between the tags of the various states that we do 
exercises at the division level more frequently? Well, I think the the exercises uh, for the divisions are uh, we've got the the division war fighter, which is the uh, which is the key exercise for any division. But but what we what you are going to see is is divisions participating more in the brigades training. So, for example, um, when a brigade goes to the CTC, um, what we're hoping to see is division tax uh, as the active component does. They'll send a, a division TAC down to that CTC to help drive the division, um, absorb some of the uh, some of the um, requirements for sustainment and, and that sort of thing, play the part of the of a division headquarters which you would normally have in a battle. And without that, it's a it's a lot harder on the on the BCT in the box without that higher level of command over over the top helping helping to coordinate. Um, fires and, and uh, aviation, for example. So, uh, so that's what we're hoping to see, and and we've we're, we're starting to see that quite a bit. Where, whereas uh, in the past you've seen uh, state uh, assistant adjutant general be the senior trainer for a BCT at at, at a NTC or JRTC rotation. Now, we're starting to see uh, a division deputy commander from another state. Coming to uh, to brief the force comm commander on a BCT's rotation as the senior trainer, so mm. it's already starting to to work like that. And uh, and again, I think it's just going to make us uh, make us better. Uh, the other thing uh, when you talk about warfighters, so I don't know that warfighters will change that much, except we're we're now seeing uh, guard BCTs. Uh, being pulled into the warfighters more frequently than they had in the past. So, uh, and and we'll we'll try as we move forward to line up those aligned BCTs with their division and their warfighters. So, uh, it's it's working. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna take a while. Uh, some of those exercises are scheduled a couple years in advance, so uh, it'll take a take a while to get all the way the way the way we want it but uh it's moving in the right direction so talking about senior leaders sir you know one of the things we know is re recently like uh major general johnson just got picked up as a as a division commander on the active component as a as a guardsman do you foresee as we do division alignment for training and start grooming some of our best leaders within the organization that we'll see more crossover between uh the active component and the guard at some of those senior level billets well, I think um, I think so. So General Johnson had some unique experience. Uh, worked uh, worked deployed for for some key senior leaders now. So uh, that that is not necessarily an indicator. But I can tell you this: uh, as we as we continue to to build the readiness of our divisions and our BCTs, and get better and better through through the the relationships that are between the division and the brigade that naturally bring that uh, that leader development, uh, I think we will get more competitive, and and you may see some of that. We've got right now probably the best relationship between uh, the guard and and the regular army that we've ever seen, at least in my in my career. Uh, it's a great relationship, um, and uh, and uh, as long as we keep building strong leaders, uh, I'm sure they'll be in consideration for for any job in the Army.
so shifting gears a little bit, sir, from division alignment for training to your role as the G357, um, I guess, can you tell us what some of your focus areas or priorities are moving forward as the G357 today? Well, I'll tell you, if it takes more than five minutes for this to get published, it'll be something totally different. <laughs> okay. But but I'll tell you what I'm uh, what I'm thinking about right now. Obviously, uh, uh, right now as we as we film this, that we're uh, we're coming out of the main large portion of the capital response um, after uh, the events of 6 January. Uh, we're we're reducing to a a, a smaller footprint that'll that'll carry on through mid March. Uh, so that's that's my primary focus now, making sure that the inflow and outflow of forces uh, out of the national capital region is smooth, uh, and that those soldiers have everything they need to uh, to sustain for a, a little bit longer than we originally uh, um, planned for. So so working that transition, that's a top thing right now. Um, some other things going on are uh, um, you may have heard of. Um, regionally aligned uh, readiness modernization model. This is uh, this is an effort uh, within the Army, uh, what and they call it rearm. It's a, and it's an effort within the Army to to change how they generate forces and how they build readiness uh, across the Army. So it's a new readiness model, but it's also a new force generation model. So uh, we've got a lot of uh, it, there's a lot of work going on in the department to to move this initiative forward. Um, to be honest, at the end of the day, um, soldiers on the ground probably won't notice a thing about it, uh, but it's but it's important uh, here uh, strategically in terms of how we generate forces and, and how we modernize ourselves while still maintaining uh, healthy, <clears throat> healthy competition around the world. So so that's that's a big one. Um, and do you, if you don't want me Asking the caveat off of that, sir, talking about that, you know, you you kind of mentioned, you know, the the large scale mobilization we just did here uh, with the domestic response um, at the Capitol, and then over the last year, there's been a number of these across the country. How is that, you know, in relation to uh, the modernization efforts and and whatnot? How is that, you know, weighing into some of the decisions you're making on the utilization of the guard as it relates to the balance, the work-life balance. Yeah. I'll tell you. So, so one thing I want I want to mention. Uh, I'm glad you you stopped me there because uh, I want everybody to know that that uh, the the Army is incredibly proud of the of the Army National Guard right now. What we did over the past two weeks, three weeks, we we moved 26,000 soldiers in about a week and a half. Uh, that's that's the equivalent of almost a full corps. Uh, and we moved it in a very, very short timeline. Uh, quite frankly, uh, a lot of folks in the Army were were surprised that we were able to do that. And so everybody should be really proud of their guard and the way that we responded when the nation needed us. Uh, and it was important. Um, the, the guard came and, and secured the peaceful transition of, of power within this country. So it's, a, it's an incredibly huge uh, achievement that... Uh, that all your listeners uh, participated in. So um, um, I just wanted everybody to know how proud everybody here in the in the DC area is of the guard, and, and we're getting a, a lot of uh, a lot of thanks and uh, and kudos for for what they pulled off. So.
Now to answer your question, yes. So that's our message uh, starting to come out now. And for me personally, uh, I'll be talking with the force comp commander later today. today. And that's one of the things I'll tell them is, is there's going to be some impacts to this. Uh, we, we had the COVID response initially, um, thousands and thousands of, of soldiers um, responding uh, to the COVID. And then we had the July, the summertime civil disturbance. That was a very large response uh, across the guard. And now this uh, capital response. And now we're getting ready to roll into um, um, a large effort from the national level. The new president uh, uh, wants to vaccinate the country uh, as quickly as we can, and we'll probably be involved in, in some of that. So there, yes, there are going to be some tra some readiness impacts. There's going to be some readiness or some impacts to uh, what we can participate in based on soldiers' time. Uh, the employers have a vote. That's something that uh, you know families, employers have a vote in uh, in the availability of soldiers, and we're we're aware of that. We're cognizant of it. What we what it's hard to tell uh, with a great deal of clarity is you know, when and where that is, right? So we'll, we'll continue to work with the states, but um, we're not, we're certainly not pushing back on any, uh, any state that comes online and says, hey, I, you know that exercise I signed up for, we, we can't do that anymore because um, we, we understand fully. And, and I think the Army does too. We've, uh, we're starting to message, message that, that, uh, that uh, we may, we may, uh, we may not be available as much as we, we normally would be for exercises. I will say though, uh, our, uh, our mobilizations, mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we will make that mission. So that's one thing we won't fail on. And uh, I think all the states and adjutants general un understand that and they protect those units as best they can from, from these other duties. So uh, everybody, that, that's our number one priority in terms of uh, making sure that those units are, are ready and available when it's time to mobilize. So shifting a little bit, sir, I know you talked about some of your priorities here, and we've talked about leader development as it relates to division alignment for training. Um, I think I, I can remember your promotion event. It was a year and a half ago now, roughly, when you became a general officer. Uh, can you give some of our you know listeners who are senior leaders out there, you know, your advice or perspective change as you as you switched from an 06 to an 07 you know you know what what was that look you know what does that look like for you and like looking back on it now you know how has your perspective shifted um as a general officer first of all it was surreal right so so the the just just the opportunity to to serve at this level is just amazing and you, you pinch yourself every day trying to yeah uh that that you got the opportunity so but, but in terms of perspective, uh, it certainly broadens your perspective. So um, uh, I don't think about what's best for the G3 or the, uh, the G5 or, uh, or even uh, always the Army National Guard. I've, you know, as a GO, you've got to broaden your perspective and, and think about what's best for the, best for the, uh, the entire Army, entire organization and the nation, actually, right? So. So it broadens your perspective quite a bit. Um, obviously, my uh, my first uh, first job is to is to make sure that that the Army Guard's interests are are protected.
but uh, but again, that's the whole 54. I'm still a Missouri Guardsman, uh, and so uh, uh, sometimes it's difficult to, to to balance that when when things uh, are impacting your own state. But uh, but that's 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 what you do as a GO, right? And so um, probably the biggest thing is is broadening your perspective and and how you look at problems and solutions in terms of what's what's best for the the larger organization rather than your your small part of it. So on that note, sir, kind of, you know, for those out there who, you know, are aspiring to be general officers one day, what, what, what's your advice to them, you know, when it comes to uh, leader development, developing themselves, career? Uh, I would say the first, I mean, I get, I get this question a lot from, uh, from folks I, I mentor. I would say uh, the most important thing is, is do, you the jo- do the job you're in. Right, you may have a career path where you want to get to certain, certain other jobs. Uh, the first thing you do is do the job you're in and do it the best you can. Uh, um, the, uh, the next thing would be, if you if you can solve your boss's problems, um, you'll probably be successful. And if you can help your boss solve his boss's problems, you you'll be even more successful. Those that's. Those are uh, three pieces of advice I always give folks when they when they ask me for career advice is really focus on what you're doing right now, and then uh, and then help your help help your boss be successful. On that note, with uh, of advice, do you have uh, some resources? We usually ask most of our guests this, or like, is there uh, particular resources that you would recommend to our listeners out there? Uh, you know, for, on the leader development side, whether that's you know books or you know. Well, well, I'll tell you, I just, what I would say is read and, and, and a good source for, uh, for reading material is the, is our chief of staff, of the army's reading list, uh, all the, the senior leaders of the DOD, really their reading lists. Um, I'm reading right now a book off of the CSA's current CSA's reading list called range. Hmm. Uh, and it, and it talks about how a diversity of experiences is, uh, is a better in- indicator of su- success than specialization, for example. So, so there's a there's a lot of good books out there. But the most important thing is just read. You know, just broaden your uh, your mind and think about um, think about more than just the army. Uh, read read outside of the, the military. Sir, before we let you go here, is there any you know last words of wisdom you have for our company level leaders out there? We usually ask this of all of our guests that come on, sir. Um, yeah, I, th- I I think so. So so if I when I think back to to myself as a as a company grade leader, I'm, I'm really I never uh, I didn't think anything past uh, company command. Uh, I enlisted as an E3 uh, based on bringing some folks in with me. I enlisted as an E3 in this company and my goal was to go from E3 to O3 in the same company. And that was it. That's my military goal in, in life. And so uh, uh, I would say just uh, just keep your eyes on the ball. Just again, do your job the best you can. So sir, thank you so much for coming on today and, sh- and sharing some of your time um, and experience and wisdom on division alignment for training, your priorities and more. Hey, it was great to be here and uh, um, really enjoyed the conversation. 
And uh, um, I think it's important to get the word out on the division alignment for training. It is an important, uh, important program, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the, the conversation as much as I did. Well, thank you, sir. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed today, please visit our social media pages in the links below. Tune in to Leaders Recon over the next few weeks as we bring in today's leaders and pioneers to discuss their experiences, share their wisdom, and help you grow as a leader. If you like this episode of Leaders Recon, please don't forget to subscribe below and leave us a five-star review. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.